Hey, good people. This is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, it's a Monday morning. It's about 4 a.m. And I'm up, supposed to be in business mode before I go into employment mode. But um, it's been, um, I've been on a five-day break from the job. And it's been five days since I have done a recording with you all. So I really just want to take a minute or an hour to memorialize, if you will, the five days that I've had off from the job. And as a result, the five days in which I have not talked to you. So there's been a lot going on in my brain and um, and I want to just kind of give you a survey of that, a survey of what's been going on in my mind since I've been on this five-day break or vacation, I guess, um, from the job. And then uh, I'm going to give you a list of nine things, and then I'm going to do my disclaimers, and then I'm just going to move about in this reflection to see where it goes. Okay, all right, so the nine things on my list. Number one, the case for personality theory. That's a big one. Something I have been really wrestling with for a while now, and I had a breakthrough this, I had a breakthrough yesterday. It's been coming though. I've been seeing pieces of the breakthrough over the last week, but yesterday it crystallized the of the case of the case for personality theory. Number two, TE trappings at the margins. Really TE at the margins, but in parentheses I have trapping. Number three, TI serenity with TE domination. That's an interesting one. TI serenity with TE domination. Number four, Different route needed for dating. <laughs> I know that's that's more S-E, right? But I need to talk about that. I need to force myself to talk about dating and the different route that I need for dating. Number five, another S-E one. Number five, S-E bandwidth with high T-E. And in parentheses, I have the paradox. Number six, the real value for acknowledging trauma. I've had some interesting discoveries about trauma in the last five days. And it's making me re either rethink or reconnect to this to my disclaimers around trauma. So I've had some 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 movement in my head about that. Um, number seven. Being in a good space, but a transitional space. There's a lot there on, in that line, but I don't want to unpack that because I'll have to explain it and then I'll fall into a rabbit hole, I'm sure of it. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Good space, but a transitional space. Number eight. I have a meeting this morning with the head of this, the organization, the CEO of this very, very large organization. It's my second direct meeting with this individual. Hopefully this one will go better because my counterpart will be in the meeting as well as a um, another person that isn't isn't wouldn't be considered a supervisor, but I'm wondering if they're going to position her as a supervisor. So anyway, I'm, a, I'm looking forward to that one, but I have some some thoughts about it this morning. So just what I wrote on the paper was morning meeting and weekend peace. I know that sounds weird, but this morning's meeting is going to be interesting based on the peace that I have had from this five-day weekend. I'm calling it a weekend, this five-day break. Number nine, the battle of the house. I'm going to call it the trifecta, 
trifecta. That's stupid, but anyway, that's what I have in parentheses. <laughs> and choosing my battles. So the battle of the house and choosing my battles. So I have a few, I have a few SE-related items on this list, don't I? All right, so that's the list. Let me do my disclaimers, and let's see where this reflection takes me and how many things on this list I'll be able to pick up. All right? All right, you guys, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal and where I, um, I process my inner and my outer worlds using primarily personality theory. Uh, the two that I use the most are Myers-Briggs. In that system, I'm an INTJ. And uh, the other one I use a lot is the Enneagram. And in that system, I'm a type 8. But thinking more and more about the interrelatedness of type 8 and INTJ-ness. And want to come back one day. I know I've talked about this a couple of times. About can an INTJ being 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 oh my gosh, can an INTJ be an eight? There you go. I've already unpacked this, but I've had some more thinking about it. So anyway, so pushing those two systems together, I do identify myself. I do identify as being an INTJ eight, or better way to say it, I understand myself through the lens of the INTJ eight. I also identify as being an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background, from intergenerational trauma, being degreed, uh, uh, holding three degrees in social science and education, and operating in that field for about 28 years, half of that which has been in uh, leadership. Um, there was a time when I was doing these disclaimers, and I... I remember when I first started trying to identify or bring my race and gender into the disclaimers because I didn't, I didn't always do that. I didn't always t- put up front that I was a, I'm an African-American woman. And I, I, I think it was around season two that I got comfortable with it because I realized that that was another lens impacting the way I un- understand my world, my inner and my outer world. So I just thought it was important for, to say that. I went back and listened to some older episodes, and at some point I was saying, I'm a, non, I'm a non-conventional black woman. And I really miss saying that, non-conventional. You also hear me say non-conforming. That's important. Or divergent. Divergent. And I, I don't know. I guess I have to put a, I don't know. I don't know why I stopped saying non-conventional, unconventional, diverging black woman. But, so then what I did is I started saying I was a critical race feminist. And in a lot of ways, me saying I'm a critical race feminist taps into being non-conventional, diverging, but not completely. So I'm going to have to spend some time with that. But anyway, all of that. (laughs) I am a critical, I do identify as a critical race feminist, and I am non-conforming and unconventional and divergent. How about that? And all of that, I mean, man, there's got to be a there's got to be a simpler way to say all of it, right? I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to just say my disclaimer is going to be um, m- more compounded and compressed, and then I can go to my website and unpack it. And if anybody wanted wants to know more, they can go there. So I'm working on it. I don't know, I don't know when I'll get there, but I want to get to a place where I condense these disclaimers. But I'm sure if I condense them, I'll have more disclaimers to add. <laughs> so anyway, this project is unedited and it's unscripted. That means I just move about in my mind as I am led to. It's probably the only space in my life where I can do that, where I can entertain my thinking um, out loud. So I've been keeping a personal journal since I was four. So I'm very comfortable with going inside of my mind and exploring the randomness that's there. But I don't do that out loud. And um, so this project is really kind of giving me an insight of, you know, what it looks like to try to take a very private practice of being with my th- my thinking and doing it out loud as a as a TE user, extroverted thinking, we typically function out loud 
based on vetted structures or standards from the external world. We don't limit ourselves there, but that it uses we use it as a guide. And so my training as an educator and even as a social scientist is really more linear. Uh, and my TE is aligned to that. My NI is not. And so this project just really um, allows me to park that side of me to kind of be um, orderly and linear and sequential. Maybe not sequential, but structured. And to be unstructured because that's how thinking actually is. Uh, it's logical, it's rational, but it doesn't have to be necessarily structured according to some external standard of what structure should be. You guys, I'm about to fall in a rabbit hole. Let me move out of that. Anyway, this project is unedited. It's unscripted. I do want to come back to this idea of the TE and the NI. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to call that a paradox as well. I know I've talked about it a little, um, in the past, but I want to talk about it some more. All right, you guys, I'm pretty relaxed. Can you hear it? You can hear it. I'm pretty calm. <laughs> Man, I should go back and listen to this. Take this. Take this recording, and go back and like do listen to the recordings around my father's passing, when I had all of these people around, or just even after I spent the full week on that job. I just, oh my gosh. So yeah, I feel pretty calm. I don't know if you guys can hear it in my cadence. All right, you guys. I think that's all I'm going to say for this, the disclaimers. If you want to know more about this project or me, you can go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Yournidom.wordpress.com, all right? All right, I am going to try to take this list in the order that it's written. I know it won't work that way, though. I'm going to fall into a rabbit hole. But I hope that when I do fall in a rabbit hole, <laughs> I'm still going to be able to pick up some of the things on the list. Once I start freestyling it, or once I like go off in some kind of tangent, I do hope to, um, I hope, I hope I pick up several things on this list. So I have nine things on the list. Let's see. I'm going to start with number one, though, okay? So number one is the case for personality theory. And this is just something that I have been, um, wrestling with. Because for two reasons. Number one, um, there have been several people who've challenged me. Why are you so interested in personality theory? And um, and for the most part, I look at it as a source of liberation. It has been um, very, very helpful for me. And liberation... And healing and maturing, honestly, it really, really has. Um, I told you guys this in 2011. Yeah, I think it was 2011. I was at the coffee shop. I lived in the coffee shop between 2011 and 2014. I was working on my PhD, doctoral studies. And so um, I was at the coffee shop and I heard an inner voice, not an outer voice. I have had audio, well, okay, we won't touch that one right now because <laughs> it doesn't happen often. So, um, and that was when I was into church. So I need to come back and think about when you can, when you have an impression. See, because I, I associate that as an impression. When you have an impression that is so strong, and impressions would be connected to introverted intuition. Like that's how we think. N.I. Dom's thinking according to these impressions. It's just a, it's just a, it's a flash of knowing. It's a flash of knowing. Okay. I don't want to fall into a rabbit hole here, but, but I want to do, I want to say something about this audio, this audio sound. 
I've never even processed this. But I'm wondering if the flash of knowing can be so intense, so intense that then it, it picks up the SE. I don't know if this doesn't even make sense. But it can take on the likeness of an SE experience and it becomes an audio sound. I've never processed that. And I probably have had that happen to me maybe, maybe twice. I guess if I was just going to be, try to force myself maybe three times, I can't, but I think I can, I can give you two stories in which I had an audio impression, a sound that was connected to a, a flash of insight. And you know, sometimes people see, um, images Um, a lot of times we wake up we do that in our dreams but we can have that when we're coming waking up I don't know you guys I'm out of my wheelhouse here this isn't my wheelhouse and as a matter of fact the only reason why I'm talking like this is because I spent a good year having some deep talks deep reflections with INFJs two INFJs and uh, they talked in a way that I could relate to like oh yeah yeah, I'd do that as an NI dom, but my TE would probably never really give me comfort in talking about it out loud. So that's where I'm feeling. What I'm feeling right now, my TE is like, "Yo, you can't talk about that. There's no, there's no academic framework. <laughs> there's no scientific framework to explain that. So just shut up." <laughs> so anyway, all right. So, um, oh, how did I fall into that rabbit hole? All right, I got it. I was at the coffee shop, <laughs> and I had a, a an impression. There was an inner. I heard an inner voice that said, um, "You're gonna have to self parent. You're gonna have to learn how to self parent." And uh, and that that's something that has stayed with me because I remember exploring that. Going, what does that even mean? What does that fully mean? It was intriguing. And, uh, and the, the, the short end of it is that there were just things that I needed in my development that I couldn't get from my parents for a number of reasons. Okay. But I needed it. If if I'm going to self-actualize, if I'm going to be the person, the best person I possibly can while I'm on this earth, then there were things that I needed. And it's not okay to just say, oh, I didn't get it from my parents. And then I'm just going to, it is what it is. No. There are things that you can only get from a parent. There's another book I read that talks about that. There are some things that you can only get from a parent or a caregiver. And the problem is that we don't get it from our parents. And then we go into relationships seeking that thing. We go into relationships seeking that thing that we can only get from a parent. And because we can only get it from a parent, that relationship is not going to be able to give it, get it to you or give it to you. And that's where you get in trouble in these relationships because you're going into the relationship looking for the thing that you couldn't get from your parent that you still need. So I've learned a lot about that voice that I heard, that inner voice, whatever it is, um, about self-parenting and there were things that I needed from a parent. I couldn't get it from a parent. I can't get it from a relationship. I needed to parent myself. And so personality theory, it's just really helped me to do the self-parenting. Really, really it has. So it's been really healthy for me. So for the most part, I try to answer that question as to why am I into personality theory? Um, that's why I try to answer it. And I think that's an important this case for personality theory is really important to me because in both in education it's just not a theory that is that really governs the work and it's funny because now that it's a big part of who I am I've already, I say this to you guys all the time I don't go into meetings without talking about personality theory now the like like today to the meeting I'm going to have with the CEO this morning more than likely I'm not going to bring it up <laughs> with him 
But I bet you I unpack it. I bet you when we go off into a smaller meeting with my counterpart, I bet you I bet any money that I will bring it up. Um, because it's just a, 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 a critical staple in terms of understanding the world and understanding yourself in the world and understanding other people. So anyway, so anyway, you guys, that's, so this, this case for personality theory has been pretty much understood by me as being essential for my own growth, my own personal development. But I would say over the last week, I've had a conscious curiosity. And the reason why I say conscious curiosity is because I think there was something happening in my unconscious longer than a week. I just, I feel like this, this past week is the continuation of more time that I've spent pondering this. But I've been really, in the past week I said, person, no, that's not true. I've thought about this before. Anyway, but in the last week it's been more more pronounced. Personality theory has a bigger interest for me than just my own personal development. That's what's happened to me for the past week. It's not just about me and my personal development. Personality theory connects to my bigger work, my work with empowerment. And, uh, and I've come up with my own, you know, I've told you guys I've been working on a theory, building a theory. And so in the past week I said this personality theory connects to the theory. And again, I may have said this before. But the way it's hit me in the past week, it's like I said, it's more pronounced. So what I did yesterday, I think over the past five days, I've been able to find a place in my theory for personality theory. So my theory that I've been developing formally since 2009, 2009 is when I put my theory on paper in an organized way. But I think it's been living in me longer than that. But nonetheless, I've over the past five days, I took personality theory and connected it to a, a specific point in my own theory for empowerment. But yesterday, I woke up and I I wrote. I have I've been really struggling with wanting to write. I have something to say about that. And I wrote, I was trying to make a case for personality theory. I ended up writing over about 3,000 words. It's amazing how I can kick that out like that. When I looked at it, I was like, this is a paper. (laughs) Now I'm going to edit it and I'm going to release it. And I was actually thinking about going to some people who, uh, who have websites for personality theory and asking them would they be interested in me cross-publishing on their website once I'm done editing this. Because it is, um, in this case that I'm making for personality theory, I'm linking it to what's called Holomy. Holomy, H-O-L-O-M-Y. And Holomy is the study of the whole. It's, it's the study of the whole and the parts connected to the whole. And uh, it's a word that I just got introduced to in the last um, three months because of the training that I'm a part of for my job. But it connects to the in my interest in systems theory, right? Systems theory takes a look at how entities function as a system. And when you have a system, part of systems theory says that every system is part of a larger system. And every system has inter smaller systems inside of it. That's what Holomy is. Now, in this training, they don't connect Holomy to systems theory, but that's what I that's what I bring to the table. So in this theory for Holomy, the argument is um, that you have to have five states of mind to reach Holomy. Now, you guys have heard me talk about the five states of mind because as I'm learning things, you know, I come and unpack them with you all. And in order to reach this place where you, the individual is functioning at its maximum capacity within a larger system, the individual must 
be at high levels among five states of mind. And those five states of mind are consciousness, craftsmanship, efficacy, flexibility, and interdependency. Okay, I got it. (laughs) And the theory for Halami says, in order to be a high-producing individual inside of a larger system, inside of an organization, you have to be functioning at high levels for all five states of mind. Okay. So what I did in this thing that I wrote yesterday is I I unpacked those five states of mind as connected to Halami, but I talked about what it means when you're at the margins. When you're a person that are that's at the margins or you you don't possess social power and now you're inside of an organization ex and how does Halami hold on. I'm hoping I hope I'm saying that word correctly. If I if I say if I'm saying it wrong, I'm gonna come back, you guys, and correct myself in another episode, okay? But for now, it's, I believe it's Halami. And um, so, when you are at the margins, uh, racially, sexually, uh, um, based on your gender, based on your neural divergent thinking, right? Those of us who don't think the way other people think and process. There are a number of ways you can be at the margins. Most people just think about race. Um, but it's, there's a, there are a number of ways you can be at the margins. And my, my counter argument to this concept of holomy is that while I, I do agree, I like the five states of mind, but my argument is that when you are a person at, it's social margins now working inside of an organization. I don't think it's enough to say, I don't think it's enough to just say, oh, you need to function at these five levels. You do need to function at those five levels. I'm okay with that. But I think in order to function at those five levels, maybe this is the way I'm saying it, in order to function at those five levels, you have to have... um Okay, I'm you guys this is a, this is something I'm I'm working out in real time. So this is this draft that I wrote yesterday, which I think is pretty good, but now I have to go in and clean it up. So it was a freestyling writing where I was it was the first time I was putting words to this this argument that I wanted to make about Halloween. Okay. So after I wrote it, it's like I said, about 3,000 words. Then I went to a n- piece of notebook paper, and I then outlined what it is that I was trying to say. Okay, and so now me talking about it, I'm starting to fill in some gaps. So that's what you kind of hear me pausing, doing in my mind. But I think the short end of it is, because I'm going to have to, I'm going to keep working on this, is that in order for Halloween to, uh, um, uh, to really be uh, uh, something that, people at the margins can really tap into there's got to be a shift in the power structure and there has to be some additional um, states of knowing there has to be some additional states of knowing and states of being so the individual can really tap into this condition what's called halami I like it, though. I really like the idea of being able to... I really like those five states of mind and challenging us to be our best selves inside of these organizations, right? But I think there's a piece about these organizations. So when you're in individuals at the margin inside of these organizations that that are mainly based on a social hierarchy... It's not enough to just tell a person, oh, you need to function at these, you need to function at high levels for these five states of mind so that you can be your best self. That's not all that's needed. And that's kind of what I'm trying to, this argument I'm trying to make (laughs) anyway. So anyway, personality theory really, really, I think, helps to, to unpack this argument to really showcase the marginalization of certain people. Particularly the marginalization of those of us who are, who are divergent in our thinking. But it's not just that. 
I think personality theory reveals, I'm going to make up a word. I'm going to make up a word. I think personality theory reveals, I'm not going to make up a word. It just escaped me. I'm struggling. Personality theory reveals marginalization. It reveals the state of being marginalized. There it is. So states of mind can't be fully unpacked without understanding states of being. And states of being as related to power. Okay, I'm going to get off that. Ooh, that was hard. Um, I need pen and paper on this one right here. So I'm going to come back to that. But yeah, so personality theory... Um, it's just something I really think is going to be helpful for me in my work with empowerment because I think that there is, I'm starting to finally get to a place where I can take personality theory and show marginalization. And I can also show the work of liberation through personality theory. I'm so, I'm excited about being able to take my pastime with personality theory up to the next level in my in my work on a on a formal level now i'm excited and i'm i'm almost excited enough to think about going back to school with it cuz i do think i'm sitting on a theory right so you know what i'm about to say right if you are listening to me and you're a content creator and now you are interested in this idea of holomy even though i butchered it and you're interested in the interrelatedness between Halami and personality theory or liberation and empowerment. And you have not, I would like for you to link your your, fascin, your newfound fascination to this episode. All right. As a TE user, I do give credit when my thinking has been inspired, if I've been conscious of it. And I expect, I, I look for that in return. All right, all right, I'm going to leave that alone. Okay, number two on the list. That felt kind of gross. But anyway, number two, TE trappings at the margins. You guys, I want to stay in the case for personality theory. Um, anyway, number two on the list, um, TE trappings at the margins. And this is something that I was accused of and um, by my insurance agent when I was in my 20s. So she's somebody that I met at 19 or 18. And she was my insurance agent all the way up until my mid-30s. Maybe 40. And somewhere in my mid-30s, she she fussed at me. I think I told you guys this before. So we had developed a relationship. And... Uh, Oh, one day I'd like to unpack that relationship as relating to, oh my gosh, I just, I'm having a breakthrough about that relationship. Yep, 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 yep. Oh my God. Anyway, <laughs> well, I want to connect it to the CEO, the guy that's, that I'm going to be having this meeting with this morning. Because I'm seeing a parallel here. But anyway, I can't unpack that right now. But yes. So she fussed at me about, um... always upending my life like she said once you she said you you'll be in a place of hardship and then once you get your life together you'll make a move and you'll upend it and it sends you back into hardship and I've talked about this before right I've never hit hardship the way I did um this last season of hardship. So usually when I do something, like I, like I jump and then I fumble, I never really fall, fall. So it doesn't bother me. The hardship is not uncomfortable. And I always told her, I can't stay stagnant. I have to grow. And if me trying to grow destabilizes my world, then I have to, I'm sorry, I have to do it. It's not that I want to be destabilized, but I want to grow. 
And I cannot grow with my feet firmly planted on the ground. I have to leap. I have to leap. Um, now, do I need to learn how to strategically leap? Yeah. And I think that's what this uh, last hardship did for me. Because it was so hard. I was like, ooh. I realized I didn't have certain structures, certain safeguards anymore in my life. So I can't just jump as freely as I've, I've done when I was younger, right? So when I was younger, I would leap, but I always felt that I could, I had a, I had a safety net, you know. Well, those safety nets are gone, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that I can't, I'm, I'm not going to leap again. That's just counter to my nature. My nature is to grow. And for me, growing means I have to leave, leave the ground. I have to, my feet cannot be planted on the ground for growth for me. I have to jump. I have to leap into something. I don't know why that's the image that's coming to my mind. So anyway, I've always thought about, I've always, I mean, I've always been challenged by her saying, why won't you get your life together? Everything seems to be going, well, you'll do something that will upend it. And then it's chaotic for you again. So I talked to you guys about this um, sometime at the end of summer where I said um, I was reading. Nope, it was sometime maybe in September or October. And I was reading a book uh, by this lady who's controversial. Her name is Dr. Ruby Payne. And as a matter of fact, I have a different book sitting in front of me that I want to share with you if I can get to the point on trauma. But in her other book, the one that's controversial, but I'm sure all of her work is controversial. I, I get it. I get it. But there's stuff about it that I like. <laughs> um, so what I'm doing now is I'm taking her books and then I'm going to the people she's referenced and, and looking that, and looking at her research. Okay. Cause she is a little controversial and I understand that. But she had, in her other book, I had read, I talked about, in order to move from one social class to the next social class, you have to divorce yourself from a way of thinking and some comforts that are associated with each class, each class. And if you're not able to divorce yourself from the comforts of that class, you'll never be able to leave it. So another part of this cycle around when I stabilize and then I go into hardship, I wonder, part of me wonders, is that cycle not about growth, but it's about familiarity that I'm ultimately primed for chaos because of my background. And so I'm just not wired for calm (laughs) and order. And peace. And I think that, I I think it would be remiss if I didn't consider that as a possibility, a portion of it. So putting those two together, those are the kind of ways I explain this cycle of stabilization, destabilization, stabilization, destabilization. Now, to my defense, if I can do so, is that in the whole journey of being stabilized, destabilized, stabilized, destabilized, there's been a growth. I've grown. I've not gone backwards. So I think this argument that I, that my life has to become destabilized when I'm growing, I think, unfortunately, that's significant. That it's not just about regression. That that stabilization, destabilization, stabilization, destabilization, it's not just about regressing it's about growing so dr ruby Payne could argue no that's about you being um primed for a chaotic life because of the trauma that you experience and then i'm making i'm counter argument no it's about me trying to grow and um so let me tell you what came up for me this morning when I decided to hit the record button and I wrote down on my paper the TE at the margins. And I've said this in before, so this isn't really brand new. Hopefully it's just more concise. This idea that 
I'm a TE user, TE standing for extroverted thinking. Again, I don't say this often, but if you're new and you don't know what I'm talking about when I say these these uh, acronyms, TE, or what it what it means, you need to pause and go do your homework. So I'm not going to be able to explain it. So for the, all right. So assuming that you understand what it means, TE is about having. I'm going to say an analytical impact in the outer world. I'm also going to say a structural impact in the outer world. It's about strategically. It's about here. It is. It's about Excuse me. Strategically improving the outer world. And I use that TE function to strategically move about in the outer world. That's just what I do. And I think when you take that and you pair that with the NI dominance, introverted intuition, and I'm imagining when you take those two together, it's about seeing, okay, most people talk about NITE and being able to look at a situation and seeing how you can make it better. That is true. But I think I use that in my own life. I look at my own life and I NITE and I'm like, oh, you can make this better. These are the things you have to do. And then I go and I attempt to do it. When you're at the margins, socially speaking, with limited resources, it just makes that a little complicated. Now, I don't sit there and say, oh, you're at the mat, sitting at the margins, feel sorry for yourself, and don't do anything. That's not me. Not at all. Not at all. As a type 8, I'll never accept defeat. But I am, but it, it, it did it. It did occur to me this morning. It did, I did wonder this morning if that that stabilization destabilization okay stabilization destabilization pattern. If that was about the te trying to have trying to have structural impact in the world, trying to grow, and then hitting the margins, hitting the ceiling, and then being knocked down. That's, okay, I've said that before. Okay, so that's one thing. But there's something else that's trying to break through. You guys bear with me because I'm trying to find words. I have an impression happening in my head, and I don't have the words for it yet. What if, okay, here I'm trying to put words to an impression that I have. What if the TE needs to grow and in the absence and with the presence of the ceilings that exist, the glass ceilings that exist, the structural barriers that exist in our social world, when it encounters that barrier, it's not going to stop moving. So it's going to either work to break through that barrier or it's going to ricochet, recoil, spring back. and But it's still having impact in reverse. I, know that, I don't know. I'm going to play with this. This is about movement. So if a TE user, we're moving about and we're trying to have that impact on the world structurally, strategically, and then we hit a barrier. Is it that the TE stops or does the TE start spiraling or spinning around trying to find a way to move? So in my mind, you know what I have? 
here's a metaf- uh, image I have in my mind right now. You guys, <laughs> I don't have one. My sister just went and bought like this, like um, robot that vacuums the floor, sweeps the floor. It's not new, but I just thought it was funny that she would make that investment. Like I have my grandmother in my head, like you just get a vacuum cleaner or a broom and you do it. So it's just funny that my sister has got this robot in her house. And well, anyway, so the thing moves about and then once it hits a barrier, it it has a sensor. But once it knows it can't go in a particular direction anymore, it reroutes. And I'm wondering if that's what the TE does in the margins. Until it can until it can break the barrier, it's still moving about having having impact, and that can look like destabilization. But it's not really destabilization. It's really not. I mean, it might have the material impact of destabilization, but it's still ultimately growth. All right, you guys, even though I don't think I've said that in a, in a uh, precise, uh, concise way, I think I hit it, though. And I'm going to bring this back, that that pattern of stabilization and destabilization is about growth more than it is about trauma. I think the trauma part comes into it or coming from a lower socioeconomic background is that I'm not afraid of the struggle. I'm not afraid to struggle for the sake of moving forward. There it is, you guys. And I think some people are so caught up in their material possessions that they will be miserable there. Because they don't want to let those material possessions go. They don't want to go let go of their status in the world. Mm-hmm. I get it. But I can't. What? So I want to be, I want material comfort. And I like my, I love my status that comes from uh, me being, you know, status that's associated to me being a TE person. Um, that's the status. Being NITE really it wouldn't just be TE. There's a status that I that I have developed in terms of there's um, there's some achievements that I've earned because I'm an NITE user that has given me a particular status. No, I don't like to. I don't like when that status is threatened. However, I will destabilize those things in a minute. If growth, my growth required that. I choose growth over over stabilization. That's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to choose growth over stabilization. And that's not something I'm necessarily proud of, but I'm not ashamed of it. So what I'm hoping now, as I'm trying to restructure myself, so I can be permanently in the second half of life because that's the breakthrough I had a couple of weeks ago that I may have dipped into the second half of life, but until I have the structures um, that protect me there, I'm not firmly in the second half of life yet. That was an important breakthrough for me, and I don't know what episode that was. But it was, it was in, I think it's within the last five episodes, and I have it in the show notes where I talk about second half of life and Father Richard Rohr. So go check that out. But um, so that's, that's the TE at the margins, TE trappings. And I just think that it ultimately creates this pattern of stabilization and destabilization, all for the sake of growth. That was an interesting thing to break through. You guys, I have one more thing that I'm going to try to attack. And, uh, and, and and then I don't want to take this over an hour, so we're just going to just have to leave it here. And this is the T.I. Serenity. I really want to share this with you before I leave. T.I. Serenity with T.E. Dominance. This is something that's been really fascinating for me to come to. The last five days, I have spent decompressing from all the noise the job that I have, it's very social. It's probably the most social 
my I've ever been employed. And that's hard because as an educator, I'm always dealing with people. But as an educator, I'm dealing with people in a very structured way. I was telling somebody recently about how I do noise in my classroom. I can have, it can get noisy, but I structure it, it's structured noise. When the students are talking and they're active and that is set, I can anticipate it and I'm okay with it. But if we are doing quiet work, then when you go into my room, it is quiet. And there have been people who've been like, they've tripped out about that because of how quiet it actually is. They're like, this is too quiet. Well, no, if if it's quiet time, it's going to be quiet time. I don't make my students stay in quiet time excessively. I don't. But when we do go into quiet time, it's quiet time. <laughs> you want, it's, This is just so weird. Like, are we going to call it quiet time? But we're really going to let them talk on the side? No, it is quiet time. And that's because, and the reason why I'm very firm on that is because I do spend most of the time with them being able to collaborate and work based on how they need to work. But I designate certain times throughout the day that is quiet, okay? I took that same philosophy when I was a school leader. There was just order to the day. I was in, even, and my meeting, I controlled all of that. I'm in a position now where I have very little control. I don't have an office space where I can have, I share office space with people that people could just randomly start talking. They rent, they have meetings. I walk through the hall and people in engagement conversation. I don't have any time out. <laughs> I don't have quiet space. I don't. I have to, I don't, and even if I steal it, I don't have predicted quiet space, and that becomes a challenge. So anyway, um, the, the job is just noisy. It's noisy for me, and so I spent the last five days just being in a house. I did. I went out. Um, we did family day on Thursday. Uh, that's. Uh, historically, our country celebrates it as Thanksgiving. That's a complicated holiday, as is the Fourth of July. But so we did that as family day. We had food, um, and then I went. Um, I did. Do, I went and did karaoke one night. That's it. The other five days, I was in my house, or I might we took my took my dogs on walks, but I was in the house. I got my house cleaned and orderly. I, I worked. I did some things with my hair. I did some things with my files. I walk. I mean, I just found things to do in the house, and every day I reached a different level of peace and serenity. So much that yesterday I was able to sit down and write that three thousand word draft, where I'm talking about the case of personality theory, and I think that and I'm closing here. Um, what what comes to my mind when I think about that is that's really how I see my second half of life. So I think I wasn't a I'm not able to do writing like that in the space of a lot of chaos and noise because my TE dominance is going to be focused on using my thinking to bring order to the world. It's only when my world is ordered can I drop down into TI and start writing. I like real writing. I mean, I can force myself to have pockets, but yesterday's, yesterday's writing for the case of personality theory, even though it's a rough draft, it was, a, it was breakthrough writing. It was TI writing. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting thought. I just wanted to share that. And I called it T.I. Serenity that when I'm doing these theory buildings, that's me being able to drop down into my sixth function, T.I. And that means the world around me is calm enough for me to do that, where I can drop down into that sixth function and I can linger there. 
But when there's stuff happening out in chaos, noise, my upper functions are just going to be automatically moved into action to bring order. That's just what's the TE dominance. And so that was just an, an interesting breakthrough I wanted to share. I'm calling it TI serenity with TE dominance. And I look forward to having a lifestyle where I can have more control over my calmness, over my serenity, because there is a part of me that wants to write, you know, um, but I, I find myself not being able to write with competing priorities for order. And uh, um, yeah, I want to just say order. <laughs> yeah, just trying to make the world orderly. So anyway, I don't know if that makes sense. But you guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation on personality theory when you try trying to integrate it with uh, some liberation theories, liberation work, liberation theories, if that is a, connected to a conversation you've had in the world, will you please take this link and share it, uh, that portion of the reflection out. If you've had a conversation with somebody about trying to do extroverted thinking with we're in the presence of social barriers, structural barriers. And what happens, even if that conversation, if you've, even if you've had conversations about a pattern of stabilization and destabilization, will you take this link and share it, share that part of the conversation out? And finally, if this idea on TI serenity for, for an INTJ, that TI is six for us is is that is that the same thing for the ISTJ I would imagine that I think but I need to go write it out because I don't have all of that though I finally know the four functions of all 16 types now I do not know the four shadow functions of all 16 types yet I gotta learn that where's where I have it memorized I don't have that yet but let's stick with the INTJ that TI is six and um and it's just a, and I always I've always known that I can access the TI and I know that I've done TI work but I just didn't realize that I access the TI only in a place of serenity only in a place of order and calmness I have never made that connection until today. And so if you've had a similar conversation in the world, would you please take the link and share that part out? Okay. All right. And if my moving about, even in that sticky part for number one, I really struggle with the case of personality theory and holomy. But anyway, if my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, I would love to hear it. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. All right. Let me give you your assignment. Hold on. You know, I'm thinking oftentimes I give these assignments and I connect it to the title or I title connected to the assignment. Anyway, I'm just wondering if this episode should be named TE at the margins because all three of these things I've talked about really deals with this uh, tension that the TE has when it's trying to produce in, in, the, in the space of noise. In the space of noise, in the space of resistance, in the space of oppression. What does the TE do? Hold on a second. And I wonder if my TE was first, would I not, would I not feel that tension as much as I feel because it's second? I don't know. But I want you to think about what is your auxiliary function and look at the tension points around your auxiliary function. Like what are the barriers that require you to struggle with that um, auxiliary function? And what are some opportunities that happen when there is no struggle for you to drop down to the sixth function? So think about the second and sixth function, okay? And think about barriers and opportunities as relating to that second and sixth function. Does that make sense? So the barrier for me, I, th I would love to be able to drop down into that sixth function more. 
I don't know. That's that's not the connection. Hold on. A few seconds. Hold on. <laughs> All right. I'm not just talking about dropping down. I'm talking about moving out, moving about. So what are barriers for your auxiliary function? You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye. <laughs>